Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. In the bullpen, I have with me Larry Elder, misguided conservative, will debate me today about a few issues, including free speech in the United States. My contributor today, none other than Ben Glebe, comedian, NowhereComedyClub.com and Rebel HQ contributor. Should be a fascinating breakdown, very smart man. Okay, top story of the day, January 6th committee, they are going to issue a criminal referral to the DOJ. Trump will be included. Trump has a breakdown and Adam Schiff, who is chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and a former prosecutor says he believes Trump will be indicted. Here's Adam Schiff. I think that the evidence is there that Donald Trump committed criminal offenses in connection with his efforts to overturn the election. And viewing it as a former prosecutor, I think there's sufficient evidence to charge the president. Let me give you the breakdown and the breakdown of Donald Trump. The House Select Committee is expected to recommend criminal charges against former President Donald Trump which would steer federal investigators into unchartered territory. I'm gonna get into that in a minute. The legislative panel investigating the Jan 6 insurrection, the terrorist attack, will likely recommend the Department of Justice charge the ex-president with obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress, conspiracy to defraud the United States and insurrection, which is an actual constitutional no-no. And it may also recommend similar charges against some Trump advisors and former administration officials. So you may be wondering, well, what does a criminal referral do from the Jan 6 committee? And I've heard other commentators wax poetic about how it means nothing. No, it does mean something. I will explain what it means. Remember a few months ago when the chairman of the Jan 6 committee, a Democrat, he came out and said that they would not be sending any criminal referrals to the DOJ. I disagreed with that move. I even got into a slight disagreement with a congressman right on this show who's a Democrat about that move. I said, if you find crime, you have to at least report it. Congress has a constitutional right of oversight, which includes investigations and subpoena power. The court also says they have the ability to enforce it. So I don't see how you get around being an investigative authority, finding felony crimes and not reporting those crimes to the proper authority. Initially, the chairman, a Democrat once again said, no, we're not going to do that. It was Cheney, a Republican who went on Twitter and said, wait a minute, Mr. Chairman, we have not made that decision as a committee. Why would a Democrat not want the DOJ to receive the criminal referral. It seems as if it would be the other way around, that the Republican would say, put the brakes on this, it seems too political. And the Democrat would say, hey, we need to go ahead and do it if we figure out there's crime committed. The reason why those things were opposite is because the chairman did not know if the DOJ was going to actually indict Donald Trump, not at that time, because if, you then send a criminal referral 
to the DOJ. You as the Democratic chairman of the committee, you have a Democratic president, Democratic vice president, and your DOJ director and everybody else. Your attorney general, your FBI guy, everybody else, they work for the current Democratic president. You put political pressure upon them to do something that you don't know if they're going to do yet. You don't know. I think the reason why you actually have a criminal referral happening likely this week is because at least the chairman of the committee is aware this is not going to put additional burden or political burden upon the DOJ. Which means the DOJ is going to indict no matter what. Now that's my conclusion based on reading the tea leaves. There's more, a referral really just means that one part of the government is sending to the executive government information and requesting that the Department of Justice investigate these matters. Says Stephen A. Salzberg, a law professor, George Washington University. The Justice Department, which is already investigating the matter on its own, will then decide whether or not to act on that request. Although Attorney General Merrick Garland would likely view the legislative referral, which could result in the first criminal charges against a former president more seriously. One of the purposes of a referral is that if you think there is a crime, it puts some accountability on the prosecutor's decision on whether to charge or not. Richmond said, is an accountability shifting device. And I agree. So how did Donald Trump respond to the reality that he is going to be referred for criminal indictment. Now remember, the United States Congress has determined Trump is already a criminal. When you are impeached, and he was impeached twice, that is an indictment. Yes, it means indictment. Basically, it's a body that has charged you officially. If he was not the president, he would have been charged by a grand jury. But because he is the president or was the president at that time, he can only be, there you go. All right, so now Donald Trump, he responds. What does he say? Well, he has a breakdown. He says, and I quote, the unselect committee of political hacks are the same group that came up with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. That's called deflection, ladies and gentlemen. Not to mention many others. They are corrupt cowards who hate our country. He's building a narrative to create chaos. Same thing he did on January 6th. There's more. Minutes later, he added this, Republicans and patriots all over the land must stand strong and united against the thugs and scoundrels of the unselect committee. It will be a dark period in American history, but the darkness, but with darkness comes light. Now that sounds like a threat, all right? So he's doing the same exact thing he did before. And he's hoping to rally weak-minded, bigoted, racist individuals to his cause. That's the reason he gave them protection. That's the reason he said, Good people on both sides. That's the reason he told the Proud Boys to stand by. Listen, this man, and that's all he is. I don't give a damn that he's the former president of the United States or how much money he has. This mere man must be indicted, period. Now democracy is on the edge of being something completely unrecognizable. We have a decision to make as a country, either people are above the law or they are not. That's it, it's not that complicated.
And some of you will say, well, this creates a slippery slope to charge a former United States president. Damn it, we are already on the slippery slope. All right, my dear brother, thoughts here. Dr. Ritchie, you said it beautifully. The only thing I disagree with is that you said Donald Trump is a man. He is not, <laughs> he is a boy, right. he is a child. He is a bratty, spoiled, and on top of that, evil child. He's a problem child. And it is fantastic that the select committee will be recommending criminal indictments against him. If for no other reason, I hope that your read of the tea leaves are right. But if for no other reason that in case they are not, and that they do what so often our Justice Department does these days and is not hold those in power to account. This at least will go down in history as three criminal referrals for indictments for crimes against the United States caused and committed by a former president. It's never been done before and that will stain his legacy yet again. This man is a monster, he's not a man, he is a disgusting excuse for a human being and it is time that the chickens come home to roost and this guy gets what is coming to him, this complete fraudster. And it's also about time that maybe this cavalcade of consequences finally heading towards this despicable person starts chipping away as it seems it is at his support. And will chip away at the Republican Party that still supports him far, far too much. Because not only is he responsible for Jan 6, If he truly wanted and truly thought it was a patriotic act and truly thought that people were supporting him in a way that helped the country, he would have pardoned them then when he was in power and could have. But he didn't because he'd rather throw everybody under the bus, whoever supports him. He now only claims he'll pardon them if he gets reelected, which also is a lie. He is a criminal and it's about time that criminals get punished criminally. Well said, dear brother. A cop gave an unsheltered man a sandwich that contained human excrement. What if I said that? You would say, no way. What if I told you this is a problematic cop who had other issues in his past that spoke to his sick and depraved mind, and he was still allowed to be a cop? Let's put his picture full mass here. Matthew. Luckhurst, a Texas cop, a Texas cop who first lost his job in 2016 after giving an unhoused man a feces sandwich. You heard me correctly. He has been fired by a second Texan police department. The San Antonio police indefinitely released this cop for the sandwich incident. He was later hired by the Floresville Police Department. There's more. Floresville Police said the officer had been working as a reserve officer for the city, having been signed on a few months after he was let go from the San Antonio Police Department. According to the mayor, reserve officers don't work full time. This is them trying to minimize their responsibility. They are not paid and serve as volunteers. But the city was apparently unaware of his history of alleged misconduct. So let me explain this volunteer dynamic 
you're still supposed to submit to a background check. That's part of the requirement. You still have to engage in good faith disclosure about any problematic issues you may have. All of this is required. And the city can just Google your name and this will come up. They did none of that, obviously. Let's put up the picture of the mayor. So you have a Floorfield Mayor Gonzalez Dipple on the right said there has there has been an outpouring of emails from locals who were unhappy about Lakehurst being reemployed as an officer. Wait a minute, it took people who are not paid by the government to tell you what the government should have known initially. That's exactly what happened. The mayor said in a statement from last week, and I quote, Matthew Luckhurst was released from employment. Wait a minute, ma'am, I, wait, I thought you said it was a volunteer action. All right, uh, released from employment with the Floresville Police Department yesterday, December 13th, our city manager, Andy Jocelyn, is implementing stricter hiring policies for all city of Florence, uh, Floresville employees. He is also working with the chief, Chief Harara, on the reserve program. Um, so you got the Floresville chief of police, uh, Lorenzo Harara. You have uh, that he's in the center. The department released a statement on Facebook on December 13th. Everybody's now trying to figure out how to clean it up. That started by addressing the concerns raised by Lockhurst hiring and emphasize his position as a reserve officer. So it says in a statement, unfortunately, the Floresville Police Department was not fully aware of the entire incident involving the alleged incident. As the same individual had previously been issued a general discharge by the previous law enforcement agency. And FPD does not condone any of the alleged actions, but rest assured they do not condone the alleged actions and will do whatever is necessary to ensure the continued safety of its citizens. Okay, so there's an element of truth here. And the truth is, the officer is right, the deputy or the chief is correct. Why? Because the cop received a general discharge. They could have decertified the guy. They could have fired him with an explanation. They could have literally called post, which is your certification outfit. They could have called post and said, do not certify this guy again to ever be a cop and here's why. But they did none of that. There's more. Backstory per the insider. The officer, Luckhurst, was first terminated by the San Antonio police in 2016. After an internal investigation determined that he placed feces between slices of bread and gave it to a homeless man while on duty. That's according to KSAT. The police officer, won an appeal over the feces sandwich incident due to a local government code that prevents officers from being disciplined or conduct occurring over 180 days ago. There's more, there was another feces related incident. He was later given a second indefinite suspension following an investigation into a separate incident in which he allegedly failed to flush feces down a toilet in the woman's restroom at the downtown bike office, a bike patrol office, spread a brown like substance on the seat. Luckers took responsibility for the toilet incident, but said it was a prank and apologized. In hindsight, it was immature, he said at a hearing. 
However, he did not win his appeal against the toilet incident. The arbitrator assigned to the case decided that SAPD chief was justified in terminating him, citing the egregious nature of the conduct aimed at women. So let's get this straight, okay? He gives a human being feces sandwich who happens to be unsheltered, which means he doesn't have a lot of influence over the police department for sure. No biggie, he is allowed to remain. But he does a prank and he is let go. Now naturally, both are bad. I think we all can agree that getting a sandwich of feces and you're unsheltered and hungry. Now damn it, that's just evil, right? He should have been arrested for that. They wanna hide behind the 180 days. Please understand, he could have been arrested for that. He was not. All right, so that's the development of the story. My dear brother, thoughts here. Everything about this story is insane. This story is a feces sandwich that was allowed to occur, it's unreal. Several things, first of all, these statutes protecting police officers. His argument is literally, yes, I did almost poison a man in the most demoralizing, dehumanizing way possible by giving him a feces sandwich to eat. But in my defense, it was over six months ago. That's the defense? That happened over six months ago, so what's the problem? Then, no one even mentions in the incident that did get him released, the fact that he was in the woman's restroom. What's he doing using the woman's restroom, let alone spreading brown tapioca on the toilet seat? And only in retrospect did he realize it was immature. He thought it was very mature at the time. This is what an officer of the law should be doing, pulling pranks in the women's restroom after using it creepily. But thinking back on it, I could have used better judgment. Then the Floresville department says that they will now be using stricter hiring practices. How are strict hiring practices not part of your approach from day one? Exactly. Your, your, your plan is let's let officers who are disgusting, immoral human beings serve on our reserves until there's an outcry. Then maybe let's crack the whip a little and tighten it up. That's your move? That's the time that you decide to step up the way you do things? It's a disgusting thing in all respects. And finally, Floresville made sure they put out the, the, the announcement, clearing everything up saying, we do not condone this behavior. Could you imagine if they came out saying they did condone it? Normally we right. do condone feces sandwiches, but just not this time. That's too little too late saying you don't condone disgusting behavior. The man, as you said, should have been arrested for demoralizing yeah. a human being. The fact he was put on another police force for even a day, even as a reserve is disgusting. And people should be fired for it. That's like right. you said, Google's right there at your fingertips. Yeah, somebody in the city should have been held accountable. It doesn't seem as if they were, and you're right. Them saying, "Oh, we we completely disagree with what he did." Of course. Wow, what a revelation! Right, exactly. What a revelation! <laughs> right. Okay. An Atlanta police officer indicted for murder. And damn it, he should have been indicted a couple of years ago. I've been on this case since day one, city of Atlanta. Let's put up the picture of the cop and his victim. He murdered, he murdered the young Jimmy Atchison. This cop was part of an FBI task force. He literally committed murder in front of the FBI and nothing happened to him. Let me give you the background to this story. 
Now, before I get into this story, um, the father of Jimmy Atchison, good brother, his name is Jimmy. I just got off the phone with him. He's been advocating and fighting every single day. This man sends me either a text or an email every day of his life about this case. Finally, the district attorney did what she was supposed to do. Let me give you the background. For more than three years, Jimmy Hill has kept a weekly vigil, that's the father, outside the offices of the Fulton County DA's office. Think about that. Jimmy Hill, the father, has kept a vigil outside of the offices of the Fulton County DA, distributing flyers about his son's death at the hands of police demanding justice. This week, former Atlanta police officer Sung Kim was indicted on charges of felony murder and voluntary manslaughter in violation of oath by a public officer in connection with the shooting death of 21 year old Jimmy Atchison, which took place January 2019. Let me give you some more background. It's not clear if Officer Kim, who retired from APD, has an attorney. Now let me pause on that moment right there. He does this extreme murderous deed, city of Atlanta, they allow him to retire. That locked his benefits in. Even if the man is now convicted of murder, because they did not do exactly what they should have done. I'm talking about the department. Immediately, taxpayers, including the father of Jimmy Atchison, will be funding this man's retirement package. There's more. Oh man, it has not hit me yet, Mr. Hill said. Mr. Hill is 60 years of age. Said he learned of the grand jury indictment from his attorney earlier Friday. His family expects to hold a news conference with the members of the NAACP and their attorney on Monday. They've already done that as of this morning. Jimmy Atchison was shot and killed January 22nd, 2019 by the Atlanta police officer. Atchison was unarmed when he was shot in the face after a foot chase. Now I want to remind everybody who may not be familiar with this story or you forgot some details. Not only was he unarmed. He received two conflicting commands. One command said, come out with your hands up. The other command said, don't move. He comes out with his hands up. Out of all the cops involved in this task force, it was only Officer Kim who decided to shoot him in the face. Right in front of every other task force member. Nobody else on the task force thought Mr. Atchison was a threat. Nobody else shot him. So you have a cop who literally committed murder, in my opinion, in front of other cops and nothing happened to him. He was not immediately indicted, he was not immediately charged. Hell, he didn't even get immediately fired. All of the officers were aware of what happened. The young Jimmy Atchison posed no threat whatsoever. A father of two, bright individual. An investigation by the previous administration in the Fulton DA's office, that would have been DA Paul Howard, found the shooting to be unjustified and recommended the officer who killed Atchison be charged with felony murder. The previous DA said that. The officer has said he believed Atchison was armed, but investigators later confirmed he was not. The Atlanta Journal Constitution previously reported. Officers were pursuing Atchison at an apartment complex while trying to serve him on a warrant. 
Now you may ask, well, wait a minute, the district attorney said the man needs to be indicted. What happened? Well, because Officer Kim was part of an FBI task force, it created a complexity that the previous DA could not overcome. He tried. He literally took the federal government to court trying to bypass the immunity dynamic connected to the case. It was not until recently that the new DA was able to get through the barriers and you have an indictment. All right, Ben, thoughts here. Once again, you have red tape that makes justice so difficult to attain yeah. in this country. Um, there's red tape that puts justice, puts a block in the way of justice when somebody who's unarmed gets shot in the face. That's how our laws go in this country, that's how it's set up. It's a travesty and thank God this is finally heading towards justice, long, long deserved justice. If you look at any video of Mr. Hill, the man's father, mm-hmm. the humanity just pours out of him. That's right. Um, seeing this man nearly four years now after his son's brutal murder, handing out flyers, trying to get outside the DA's A's office, trying to get people to understand the the inhumanity, the horrible crime that happened. And it looks like at least he can hopefully start to breathe a little bit easier knowing that his work is paying off and his honoring of his son's memory is paying off because it's very, very hard to hold law enforcement to account in this country as we see time and again. But sometimes justice does come and let's hope that it goes all the way through to a conviction of murder against this officer shooting an innocent man in the face um, that needs to be rectified. Uh, We need more stories that end up this way and it needs to not take four years. The the toll on, on, on a man having to deal with a lack of justice for four years. And there's many other cases in this exact same police department that are unjust murders of family members. And so um, hopefully this leads to getting rid of some of that red tape and getting us more towards justice as a norm and not the exception to the rule. That's right, well said brother, you made a very insightful observation. Um, The humanity of Mr. Hill shows in everything he does. Today was the first day, and I didn't realize this, Ben, until I spoke to him in the context of an indictment for the man who murdered his son. For the first time, I heard some level of relief in his voice. For years, he has always spoken in a tone that was indicative of a hurting father, rightfully so. Today was the first time I ever heard the brother actually seem as if he can take a breath. All right, we have more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments, kind of press for time. Lynn, happy Hanukkah, Ben, and to everyone else who celebrates. Wishing you peace thank and you. light. Thank yeah, you, thank there you. There you go. You too. Um, Wolf Dragon Donna says, if we don't get the hell off this slippery slope damn soon, we'll be completely screwed. If the DOJ doesn't prosecute Trump, the rest of the fullest extent of the law, majority of Americans are going to be pissed. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, many already are. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Honestly, I believe this cop has mental issues. Why do these departments keep hiring crazies? Um, I just think he's sick, all right, depraved. Uh, if that's a mental issue, so be it. But he definitely knows right from wrong. Uh, and Obadiah Hotep B1, member for four months, thank you for that. Finally, he's got the label he deserves, a criminal. There you go. Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, member for six months, thank you. Uh, good evening from the UK, Ben and Dr. Richie. Have uh, had the cop been employed to staff the police station kitchen, it would have been a very different outcome. There you go. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell African American man threatening my life. Take me my uh, my my number, and if you go near my car, I swear to God. Just want the van. Oh, you want to? He just grabbed me. You better stop touching me, lady. You're going to jail. No, you are. All I get. Oh, I have more video. Here's why that happened. What it is, you wasn't expecting my response. That's what it was. Right now, you don't block me. Right now, you you've been. Right now, you are threatening me. Y'all see this? Right now, I'm threatening you. I cannot. I cannot give you an answer. No, you know why you can't give me an answer? Because it speaks it right here. You're blocking me in, and you don't even know me. Over parking? No, you. Told me that you were calling the police and where did I come from? How dare you? When you in 2022, you still doing this, Karen? You should have asked me my name. You need to back right. off. No, you you're, need to you're keeping me camp. hostage right now by not. blocking my car in. I you won't not. allow me to leave. Here's my car, everybody. Get out. Oh, now I got room to get out, but you just told me that I couldn't go. Oh, well, you can't I hold me nowhere. Say that. What? You don't I, think, when no, they listen. replay this video, they'll see it because baby, you don't know me. I go viral, and you're gonna go, you viral. go viral. But you have not Karen, given. No, you don't. This is my phone. How dare you, Karen? You How dare you, Karen? You need to back off. No, you need to let me you're go. You need to let, move out my spot. You, you need to let me back, back up. Right, so then why are you Let's, blocking me I, in? Because I need the police to come now. And you're afraid for your life? Because I am. Yeah. I'm very afraid. Good. Because you are trapping me in, I and I am very afraid for You're you not eight. Wish I would go around somebody. You going to move your ass out the way. Well, I got your... I don't care, then take it. Yep. It, it, illegal. That's your context. Here's the consequence. Take me my uh, my my number, and if you go near my car, I swear to God. Just want the van. Oh, you want to? He just grabbed me. You better stop touching me, lady. You're going to jail. No, you are. All I get. You saw that, right? So let's highlight. What you just witnessed, you saw the classic example, not even very creative, the classic Karenicity, weaponizing tears or emotion, fear. If this Karen was afraid, do you think 
she would have stood there blocking somebody in from moving out of that apartment or that parking lot. She was just trying to leave. She was there to visit somebody. This Karen did not appreciate her presence. And so the Karen did what many Karens do. They required you show them freedom papers. Who are you? What right do you have to be here? It's called the Constitution. I have the right of mobility. That's actual thing. It's called interstate travel. You have a constitutional right to assemble. You have the right to free speech. You have all of these rights. You have the right to exist. So this Karen decides to block in a person and stop them from moving. Well, that's a crime. The Karen then engages in what we see in the video, engages in an aggressive action to literally go to the property, to go to the car of the individual she's blocking. And then there's a natural response, which you can defend property that is completely legal. You can defend your property from people like her. She defends her property. To be quite honest with you, based on the law, once the person said you cannot leave or you cannot move, they have no authority to do this. You could have utilized appropriate force then in order to get out of there. But the woman, the victim was patient with this Karen. And then the Karen goes to the ground. Rightfully so, and all of a sudden she's screaming and yelling. And then she calms down and says, "Uh, you're going to jail. See, that was the intended outcome. She wanted to put this black woman in her place. And what was her plan? Her plan from the beginning was to have the police do it for her. Well, why does she think the police would do this for her? Because historically they have. All right, Ben, thoughts here. Yeah, you know, you do absolutely have constitutional right to free movement and to um, protect your own property. But I, I'm not sure. Is there a clause in the Constitution that says bitter, angry, racist white women get more rights than others, oh, and no. they get to restrain black Americans and tell them what it is that they can and can't do? Because I think she thinks that's in the Constitution, and. I'm pretty sure she's wrong. I need to reread it, but I'm pretty sure that's not in there. The entitlement of these people, it's unbelievable. Thank God for smartphones, that's all I can say. There you go, because imagine if she didn't record it and this was a narrative against the woman who was a victim. Students at a high school. They all walk out because the school allowed a teacher who used the N word multiple times to come back with virtually no penalty whatsoever. This was in Decatur, Georgia. Students walked out of class in protest after the teacher used the N word and was allowed to simply act as if nothing happened. Here's some of the video. So there have things have been done and things were continued to be done. Um, we have, I have a meeting with several people. 
received a request from, let's say, a friend of the school system. And that, re that request was, would you be willing to meet with the administration? My answer stands, no, not until the teacher's fired. Now, once the teacher is fired, once there's a disciplinary process, I will. But I stand with the students, and the students are not receiving the justice they deserve. So until that happens, I will simply criticize the school, the teacher, and the principal. That's it, that's what you will get from me. It needs to happen this week. Let me give you the background to this, and those students are the ones acting like the adults. Put up the picture of the school, I'm gonna tell you the principal and everything else. Principal Rochelle Lofstrand failed to be a leader. Last Friday, hundreds of students, hundreds of students walked out of Decatur High School after the teacher used the N-word and there was no penalty. Based on what we can gather from the LinkedIn profile, Facebook and the school's teacher directory, Mr. John Chestnut is a physics teacher at Decatur High School. It all began when two students were heard using the N-word in class according to the narrative. Mr. Chestnut, tried but failed to correct them when he chose to use the N-word himself a bunch of times. Students said he kept saying it over and over again, ultimately defeating the entire purpose of whatever lesson he attempted to make. His use of the word made a lasting impact on the students. So they held a rally in protest of this behavior. Let me put some context here because every time I do a story like this, there's a group of people that will say, well, well, but the kids are saying it. Okay, let's assume that's true, which we don't have it confirmed, no video of it, but let's assume it's true. Students say a lot of things. Students drop the F bomb. Students say the B word. Did the teacher do that? Do teachers, do educators utilize the same profanity that immature students use? No, because they are hired as what? Professionals. So if you're a professional, the obligation is upon you to be professional, regardless of unprofessionalism by others. There's more. Uh, senior uh, Mika Wolf, co-president of the Black Student Union, had this to say, and I quote, people were appalled in the class. Everybody was shocked. This is not something acceptable. For a teacher to say, 
They asked him what he had said. You know, what he did, he repeated it twice more. He said the N word. One time was a possibility of it being a mistake. I mean, the black students are literally trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. But two more times, being three times in total, that is not a mistake. After that, he sat down at his desk and he said, I can say whatever I want. Put up the superintendent. Buck stops with the superintendent. Her name is Maggie Furman. Ms. Furman said, and I quote, as a white woman, you don't say, Ms. Furman, as a white woman and an anti racist. I believe racial slurs and symbols of oppression are never acceptable in any context. As the superintendent for CSD, I am committed to addressing and interrupting racism where and when I see it. Well, let me help you out here, superintendent. You see how your statement created a generalization of racism when it is a specific example before you? Start there. Interrupt that kind of racism, it's called implicit bias. You decided to address racism in general, rather than the specific issue happening at that institution or the specific person who did it. There's more, as I have learned more about the situations, it is clear that both of these were harmful to students, members of our community and to CSD staff members. I want to ensure our students, staff and community that there are several layers to our approach in addressing these situations as work is done to repair the harm committed. Damn it, it's not complicated. Fire the man, tell the students you stand with them and love them. Show through example who you actually say you are. It's not complicated at all. These children should not have to walk out of class to get your attention because there's a teacher saying the N word to them. Students are not always listening. I've been a high school teacher myself. But they are always learning, they are always learning. What do you think you're teaching them by this kind of action? Decatur High School Principal Rochelle Lofstrand sent out a letter. Sent out a letter to parents detailing the incident and expressing that any form of discrimination is not acceptable. Once again, generalization. The letter in part reads like the letters we've seen one too many times in cases like this. Mr. Chestnut was removed from class for only one day. And in part had this to say when he came back. It was harmful for me to say, for me to say it, for me as a middle aged white man to say it. It hits a different way. And it's almost like it's cool. And it's definitely not. And I could have thought about that in the moment and done something different. I had the opportunity, there's more. I had the opportunity to think about how and why that got past the filter. Right, it's easy for me to wonder growing up in this country at the time I did, starting in the past when I have absorbed some racist nonsense that's still plumping around in my brain. Sir, you need to figure your life out before you start teaching children. You all over the damn place. This is supposed to be a coordinated written response. And even in this, it's silly as hell. There's more. Students claim the teacher 
was not sincere and are demanding more to be done. Uh, Mika Wolf said, that's the uh, leader, the young leader at the institution at school said, and I quote, we do not want a precedent to be set. Listen to how erudite these students are. They're concerned about precedent. We do not want a precedent to be set that derogatory abuses may be used freely in the classroom. So we demand that the teacher be at least suspended if not expelled. Why, they would have did that to the student, okay, why not? If he is to return to our school, we demand that he receive bias training, discrimination training to understand why and what he did was wrong. Because clearly by saying, I can say whatever I want, he does not understand the power that the word holds against his black students. And he also does not understand, dear sister, the position of trust he's in at that school. All right, we're gonna stay on top of it. Once again, I stand with the students 100%. Ben, thoughts here? Well, what a magnanimous, noble statement from the students to be able to see it so clearly and yeah. to even show the possibility of mercy and say if he's not fired, we at least demand a long suspension and then bias training. These are the future, thank God of our country yeah. that will be able to create a more just world. But you can see the bias even in the statement of anti-bias. You can see mm-hmm. it in the statement from the superintendent because what does she say? I'm committed to interrupting racism. <laughs> right. What's an interruption? It's just, let me just quickly pause it. Then you can go ahead and continue one more time. How about stopping it? How about being committed to stopping racism? I'm just gonna give it a little pause, a one day suspension, then go ahead and say what you will. There is just a continual pattern of sticking up for and defending the power positions, the people in power and not the people who are supposed to be served by those in power. And that proves you do not understand, you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what power positions are supposed to do. They are supposed to be there to serve those that they are granted the trust of power over. And when they abuse that trust, it's done. If the apology, if the correction is not to the satisfaction of the aggrieved parties, they need to be let go because that is the consequence. This man teaches physics, that's a physics reaction right there. You do something that offends people, there is an equal and opposite reaction, (laughs) you're gone. That's right, the energy transfers. All right, Mm -hmm. we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. A white golfer strikes a black male in the head with a golf club. Black man is still in a hospital fighting for his life. He's out on a $5,000 bond. That bond is being investigated by multiple groups. Let's put his picture up full mass. 22 year old Wesley Caldwell from Nesbitt, Mississippi was arrested and charged with only aggravated assault for allegedly attacking a black man at a Memphis, Tennessee golf course. Caldwell was released from jail on a questionable, very low $5,000 bond. And his father told WREG News Channel 3, there's more to the story and his son will have his day in court, all that. Caldwell is scheduled to stand before a judge. Tuesday, January 17th, 
Uh, we will bring you the update to that. Mark Coleman is the victim, let's put up Mark. Mr. Coleman was struck on the left side of his head by Mr. Caldwell. This took place on December 3rd. The left uh, photo may not be as current, but it is a photo, all right? Both men were golfing. They were golfing at the links, a White Haven at White Haven when witnesses saw the incident unfold. The NAACP Memphis chapter and the community are calling for an upgrade to the charge to attempted murder. That's exactly what it should have been in the beginning. Why did Caldwell strike this man? Because Caldwell accidentally hit his ball toward the wrong hole. That's what this was about, according to the report. A police report describes how the white Mississippian became enraged after the other player's errant shot sent his ball toward the wrong hole. Coleman and another player in his group walked over to get the rogue ball, but were met with fury from Caldwell. Caldwell picked up the misplaced ball and tossed it in the opposite direction. ABC 24 reported that. The Memphis Commercial Appeal reported Coleman's companion told authorities that before Coleman could overcome his shock, Caldwell hit him with a golf club and knocked him to the ground. Coleman tried to get up, but became dizzy and stumbled. He was then airlifted to the hospital where he had emergency surgery. Why? Because of a fractured skull bleeding on his brain. By Friday, December 16th, Coleman was still hospitalized. And on a ventilator, the man can't even breathe on his own. The man can't even breathe on his own. And this guy gets a low charge and a low bond. NAACP is investigating this now. They told, uh, uh, they said this and I quote, well, there's been an aggravated assault. This is Van Turner talking, NAACP Memphis chapter president. There's been an aggravated assault. There's been a threat against the witness in his past. There's been a couple of reckless driving charges and a DUI and he's so young, he's only 22. But he's had instances where he's acted violently in the past. Let me tell you why that's important. Uh, judges are allowed to utilize discretion when setting bond based on actual criminal behavior. Obviously that did not apply to this one, Ms. Caldwell. I wonder why, Ben thoughts here. Well, frightening and disgusting and sickening. Even if it weren't for the violent past and the reckless driving past endangering people's lives, he tried to kill the man. He might, God forbid, yep. still still achieve that. And let's pray that he recovers fully and gets off the yep. ventilator and gets out. But the man is clinging on to life right now because of an errant golf shot. Yep. What planet do we live in? What world do we live in where this, this person's allowed to walk back on the streets? Let alone for a $5,000 bond and a and a, a charge that is not what it was, aggravated assault. You took a club and swung it, probably at 100 mile an hour club speed, if not more, and tried to kill a man because of a mistake. Yeah, This is not okay, it's not okay, period. Yeah, these are the real injustices, these are the real issues, right? Um, not the phony ones that many conservatives try to create. So there can be a legislative solution if there's leadership. Tucker Carlson refused to say if he would endorse Donald Trump. Here it is. Who do you plan to support, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? <laughs> well, who am I gonna support? 
Well, Joshua, as you've noticed, uh, my endorsement means a lot to American voters. Um. <laughs> Donald Trump completely changed my view of everything. Donald Trump is why I left Washington. And he did it in a really simple way by asking questions that no one around him could answer. He showed up and said things like, why don't we have a border? Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, racist! <laughs> or my personal favorite, he's like, what's the point of NATO? But I wouldn't have known any of that unless until Trump showed up. And started asking these kind of like autistic simple questions, like, why are we doing it that way? Shut up, racist! And it's exposed the whole thing, and I'm so grateful to have seen that. And I also, I should also add, since why not, I actually love Donald Trump as a guy. I think he's one of the funniest people I've ever talked to in my life. I think he's got this unbelievable life force to him. <laughs> but, uh, but talking to Trump is one of the great joys, one of the great animal joys of life because he exudes this kind of animal joy. And so the truth, Trump is like totally charming and engaging and fun and interesting. And the last thing I'll say about Trump that I really love is that his insights into people, which are always expressed in this, because I, I use words for a living, so I notice how people express things. Trump expresses himself in this way that's like completely original. Are you endorsing a man or not? Now, he later said he's not endorsing anybody. He told some weird story about Mike Tyson. It was all over the place. So no, he's not going to endorse Donald Trump. This is another layer of the uh, dysfunction that Trump brought and the dysfunction he's now receiving from the party. So Tucker Carlson is a no Trumper now. Um, he could have just answered the question, decided to give a bunch of stories afterwards and before. Uh, during this event, it was a what TP, uh, this uh, Turning Point USA event, Charlie Kirk's organization. But Tucker Carlson was very complimentary of his uh, new bromance and that's Governor Ron DeSatan. Uh, and he said, and I quote, I spent a lot of time in Florida, Carlson said, and I think Ron DeSantis has done like an unbelievable job. All right, there it is. I highlight that to show at least one reality of Donald Trump. Many people who have always been supportive, they're now being at least critical or semi critical, including Steve Bannon, including Mike Pence and others. Ben, thoughts here? Tucker Carlson is a very, very low IQ individual. <laughs> right. He is a very strange, deranged person who laughs like some kind of weird non-human animal, like a gerbil or something. <laughs> That's the way he laughs every time, he's insane. And these guys belie every time that they speak their priorities. They do not care about morality. They do not care about policy. They do not care about how somebody affects the nation they are hoping to lead yet again. He says he's fun. And charming, and the funniest guy he's ever talked to. And he has an animal joy that gives him an animal joy. <laughs> I mean, the homoerotic <laughs> bromance between the two of these, take it outside, take get a room, the two of you. But what's that got to do with somebody's policies? I have an animal joy. <laughs> and lastly, Tucker Carlson can never appear in life without wearing some form of khakis. Always khaki pants, just yeah. showing he came off of a boat. A racist <laughs> boat floating in some weird white island of privilege somewhere, unrelatable to any human being with a heart. What a disgusting person. Animal joy, and he's so funny. Go, go, 
see him at a comedy club. And he likes his life force. Okay. He loves, loves his animal joy life force. Right. right. All right. There's a black woman who was brutally attacked by the police. The police are now under fire. Let me take you to this video first. Here it is. Twenty-five-year-old Ashley Sims is suing Detroit police for ten million dollars in an excessive force lawsuit after they allegedly assaulted her during a block party. My mouth was so bloody, and my leg was broke like nobody helped me. On August seventh, Sims attended a block party, and by two a.m., police shut it down for unknown reasons. As they were ending the party, they were pushing the, the crowd to one side. And my car was parked on the other side, so I was trying to go the other way, and then that's when I was hit by the officer. Sim says one of the officers, without warning, punched her, causing her to fall to the ground. She fractured her left hip and pelvis. She also split her lip. It was so gruesome, we could not even show you all of the actual carnage that happened to her. Now, they have refused to allow access to the body cam footage. That's number one. Number two, they have also refused to allow us as the media see the police report. Let me give you some background. Detroit police are under fire after the video, which apparently caught police assaulting a woman, has now become major in a lawsuit. Let's go to the picture of the victim full mass. 25 year old Ashley Sims of Detroit has filed an excessive force lawsuit seeking 10 million against the city and the officers. She accuses of assaulting her. She also wants to see the officers fired and criminally charged. After being knocked down, Sim says she decided to take out her cell phone and record what was happening. She says she felt like she would need proof of the assault for when she reported the incident. The police got a lot of power, so if I wouldn't have gotten that video, they they would have overridden anything I would have said. She was absolutely correct, all right? Um, after learning of what happened to her daughter, Aisha Sims 45 rushed to the hospital to check on her daughter's well-being. Uh, and also, uh, there's a quote here, I'm gonna go to the next one. He took the report, all right? He took the report. I was recording the whole time. I said, I need to know these officers' names. They were trying to shut me up and get me out of there. And I said, okay, okay, I'm going public. Aisha says she felt the police tried to dismiss the incident. Uh, obviously, she held them accountable. James E. White, James E. White has been the chief of the Detroit Police Department since June 2021. Uh, this incident occurred on August 7th of this year. Sims attorney Todd Russell Perkins says the Detroit police have not been forthcoming with the information related to the August 7th incident. He says the police have not released any details of the investigation, not even the police report nor the body camera. WXYZ reports one officer has been placed on desk duty and had their gun taken pending an internal investigation. No cops have been charged. All right, we're gonna stay on top of this obviously, miscarriage of justice. Lawsuit has to be filed in order for some movement to take place. Should not be this hard, Ben thoughts here. Yeah, yet again, it is brutality that is just instinctually covered up. It's instinctive for the police departments to just protect 
horrible behavior instead of training your officers better, instead of holding them to account, instead of saying, we're so sorry this happened. It's always this boys club. It's always this insular club of, well, we must protect mm-hmm. our people. When it says on the side of every car to protect and to serve, it's not to protect and to serve themselves, but that's how it seems oftentimes. They're there to protect and serve the public. But as soon as anything goes down, any injustice happens, which happens far too often, they're there to protect and serve their own interests. And again, thankfully, people have cell phones and they can try to do it. But you you just see somebody being treated subhuman, and that's not okay. These are human beings. Let's start acting like it. That's right. We will bring updates. Obviously, this will develop into 2023. Ben, always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. I missed you, Doc. Missed you can too, go brother. to Ben Glebe. Same, same. You can go to bengleeb.com. You can check out my website there. I will be headlining New Year's weekend in Buffalo, New York, Helium Comedy Club. Get tickets at bengleeb.com. Ring in the new year with me or just follow me on Instagram at bengleeb. My link in bio has all the things. My special, The Mad King, my new album with my rap track that you might want to check out. I'm checking it out. It's called Anti Social Media. Yeah. Yes. I, I know you can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. This is going to be a highlight of my day. I appreciate you, brother. All right. We got See more. You. On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, always good to be with you. I'm pressed for time, I will read a couple of comments. Mickey C, the silver hair dragon says, hitting him in the head with a golf club could have killed him or caused permanent brain damage. He should have been charged with attempted murder, that's correct. If your actions were that of where you should have known that it could cause death, of course. The man is probably going to make it, but he could also die. He's still on a ventilator. I see Michael Henson. Is that Tucker Carlson laugh real? 100%. That's how Tucker laughs. He's not putting on. And Soul Life. Thanks so much, Soul Life. Gifted 20 indisputable with Dr. Shout Richard memberships. That is so kind of you. We appreciate that. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Mr. Larry Elder, political commentator, host of the Larry Elder Show, graduate Michigan University Law School, and a lot of other accomplishments. Mr. Elder, good day, sir, welcome. Dr. Richie, thank you so much for having me, I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. We're going to chop it up about a couple of elements related to free speech. Elon Musk obviously has been in the news as it relates to Twitter, he has deplatformed. Um, many journalists lately. And then there's this more general conversation about social media platforms and the regulation of content. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about these social media platforms and its obligation to free speech or not. So if you would give us your sentiment and I will then opine. Well, Regarding the journalist that he has uh, that he has deplatformed, he put him back on. Uh, he took a call and found out that most people did not like the idea that he was doing that. But he did it for, in my opinion, for a legitimate reason, and that is that uh, he had a stalker. Also, some people were uh, identifying where he was at a given time. This is a famous guy with a lot of enemies, and he's concerned about his security. But as to the general question. What the Twitter files have revealed, Dr. Ritchie, is that there was a pervasive attempt to silence, I shouldn't say attempt, effort to silence conservatives and conservative content. 
They did not tell conservatives that they were Bible capping them. Not only did they not tell them, they publicly and under oath denied they were doing it. Jack Dorsey, the former founder and owner of Twitter publicly said, we are not censoring people based upon ideology. Clearly they were. A bunch of FBI agents, former FBI agents also worked at Twitter. And the suppression of content, the interaction with the FBI, the DOJ, to me is scary. A lot of people were simply not able to get their information out, including COVID. 100 million people were thrown into poverty because of the lockdowns worldwide, Dr. Ritchie, and in the United States. I'm in California, about a third of all small restaurants are now gone forever. Many of them owned by black and brown people, the people on the left that people on the left claim that they care about. Depression was up, suicides up, opioid addiction has been up, murder is up, all because of these lockdowns. And there was a, a, a declaration called the Great Barrington Declaration signed by three esteemed epidemiologists, ultimately signed by 50,000 scientists and medical professionals and hundreds of thousands of other people saying that the lockdown was a bad idea. That document was was suppressed. People like Dr. Bhattacharya of Stanford, who was co-signer of that document, was deplatformed. So a lot of people never heard the counter argument about lockdowns, counter argument about mandates, and a lot of people suffered as a result of it. Let me respond to what you have laid out thoughtfully. You laid out a couple of elements, but I think I have them all. So let me first respond to the Elon Musk issue. Elon Musk, under his order, deplatformed multiple journalists. Now. He made a quote, I'm gonna read the exact quote when he took over Twitter. He said, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. And Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Now he's wrong on the town square dynamic, that's a legal term of art as you know as an attorney. But I get his sentiment, he says, okay, I'm a free speech guy. He then deplatforms journalists for what? You say was a legitimate reason. Let me read that as well. It says, and this is directly from, I think this was a CNN quote, but a series of sporadic tweets must claimed that the journalists had violated his new doxing policy. So that's what you just alluded to, that they were endangering him. However, after multiple investigations into this from the agencies, there appeared to be baseless. None of those journalists did any precise real time location on Elon Musk. So that was another dynamic and all of the journalists, not all of them have been restored. Most of them have. And then to your point about they are simply going after conservatives. Let me address that. Candace Owens is not deplatformed. Charlie Kirk has not been deplatformed. And you have to remember this, Mr. Elder. When you engage in a contract with Twitter, Facebook, whoever it is, you literally agree that if you violate their community standards, they have the right to deplatform you. You put your signature on that and you say, I agree, boom, and you click the button. And all of a sudden, you don't want to be accountable to what you agreed to. If you agreed, you would follow certain rules and you decide to violate those rules or if for some reason they believe you're problematic, they have the right to say no to serve you. Now I do find it quite ironic that many conservatives are okay with the argument of not serving a person who's gay or lesbian. They're okay with that, but they're not okay with Twitter saying we're gonna de-platform you because you broke our rules. You guys can't have it both ways, dear brother. Twitter is a private company. 
The Constitution, First Amendment makes it clear. Congress shall make no law to establish religion, prohibiting free speech, etc. Twitter is not the US Congress. Then Donald Trump himself filed a lawsuit, called it a class action, never qualified it to be so. But he said, well, Twitter has to allow me to speak, has to allow conservative voices. Well, no, they don't because the freedom of speech clause applies to governmental operations typically. So I don't get the ambiguity here. There's a dysfunction, a duality. Donald Trump is suing social media companies saying, well, you know, they need to let me say what I want to say. And then there's a protection of Elon Musk saying, well, people can't say what they want to say. And by the way, even that doxing thing, the person who was behind it, dear brother, he was utilizing publicly available information from the FCC. So if you have a problem with publicly available information from the FCC on your jet, then you need to sue the FCC, which he did not do. All right, go ahead, what's your response? Uh, let me try to unpack at least some of what you just now said. Okay. Uh, we're bearing the lead here. The lead is that Twitter has been restricting the access to posts put on by conservatives. Okay. Uh, the string of Twitter files has acknowledged this. They did not advise the person that they were doing this. They denied that they were doing it under oath. That's the big story here. Now regarding Elon Musk's inconsistency in your view, again, he already has retreated on that and put the reporters back on the platform after saying that he was gonna deplatform it. So to me, that's just a minor issue. The big issue is the collusion between Twitter, the FBI, the DOJ, the fact that they were silencing conservative voices, not telling the conservative voices that they were being silenced and okay. publicly denying it. That to me okay. is the issue. All right, so let's talk about that. Um, I do believe that private companies have the right to deplatform individuals that violate particular rules. I don't want children to be in the same place as a person using the N word, etc. I don't want that, right? So let's go to the point you made about an affiliation of Twitter and the federal government. Uh, many major companies, as you know, uh, as a prolific businessman yourself, many major companies have some level of coordination with governmental entities. I will bring to your attention, brother, the NFL. The NFL hires former FBI directors or FBI agents to work as investigators and other positions in the NFL. They have a lot of money, they can do that. So there's an affiliation. There's also a tax affiliation where they receive a tax abatement because of their special status. The federal government gives the NFL that coordinated status. That's another level of coordination. However, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, when Colin Kaepernick engaged in a peaceful protest, nobody said, well, the NFL can't fire Colin Kaepernick. They can't penalize him for free speech. The NFL is basically a governmental agency with all of their partnerships with the federal government. Nobody said that for our dear brother Colin Kaepernick. We're saying that for politicians, we're saying it for well-connected rich white men. But we did not say it for the brother Colin Kaepernick who took a knee and engaged in a peaceful protest about black and brown people being brutalized by the police. You may not like the protest, Larry, but you can't say it was not a peaceful protest. And you can't say the NFL does not have loose affiliation or direct affiliation with members of government. Your response. It's one thing to have affiliations with members of the government. Another thing to deny that you were doing it. And that's the problem that I have with Twitter. They were absolutely denying it. They were suppressing conservative content, not telling people, denying it. And even as I said before, Jack Dorsey denied it under oath. As to it being a private company, we tell private companies what to do 
regarding all sorts of things. Right now, as we speak, there's a case before the Supreme Court regarding a woman who makes websites for weddings. And the Civil Rights Commission in Colorado is forcing her to accept a offer to do a website for a gay wedding, even though it's against her religious convictions. We tell companies that they must pay a minimum wage. We tell companies they must pay a livable wage. We tell companies they must provide family and medical leave paid. There are all sorts of things we do to private companies that in my opinion we ought not do, but we do it. Okay. But you agree with me that Twitter is not violating the constitutional dynamic known as free speech. Actually, they're not the government. Actually, they're, dividing, they're, they're violating their own code of ethics. If you read the string of, of emails back and forth with executives, many of them felt that Donald Trump had not done anything, including his speech, that supposedly encouraged insurrection. But that's not the question. And I don't mean to interrupt, brother. We, we have one minute for the next show, that's all. Okay, even members of Twitter felt that Donald Trump should not have been deplatformed. There was a great deal of debate about that. Okay. And there were several of them who said that Donald Trump had not said anything that was what does that change? akin to an insurrection. He shouldn't that, have been That's great, great insight. I'm glad you know that information. Because there's an internal argument with management about if they should allow somebody on the premises or not, that does not negate the fact they have the right to kick somebody off the premises as a private company. Well, it would be very nice if they said they were doing it and not denying it. That's my point, Dr. Rich. Okay, so I get that. If they lied, I think the emphasis should be upon their morality and honesty. But the issue for me is a bigger dynamic. The general issue is precedent. Is Twitter a private company? Yes. Do private companies enjoy this freedom? Yes. That's it, right? Do private companies then deny that they're doing it? And so that the consumer is unaware this is being done? That's the problem. And remember, this was an algorithm dynamic. I just want to say that for the record, the algorithm was set, um, and and people like humans humans make the algorithm, doctor. Right, I, I get you, brother. Now remember, the algorithm was set, but when we talk about this being a class action dynamic against conservatives only, um, you haven't, you're not deplatformed. Candace Owens is not deplatformed. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kirk is not deplatformed. Actually, actually, the the tweets for all the people that you've named, including me, were very likely restricted. Charlie Kirk, <laughs> very likely restricted. Okay, his, I got his, you. His, he, he he was even named in the Twitter file as being one of those that they were monitoring. So their their access, reach of their posts was it's a private company. Yes. You all have multiple millions of followers. You got over two million yourself. You have over two million followers on Twitter, sir. How many and you're saying that they're targeting you, Dr. stopping Rich, people from interacting with I, you? How many would I have if I hadn't been restricted? Wow, Larry, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you, sir. We'll bring you back, all right? My pleasure, take care. Take care, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.